A big welcome to the Potential in People podcast with me, your host, Laura Peekle. We'll be chatting with inspirational leaders from across the globe about how we develop our human potential, both inside and outside of the workplace. It means a lot to me that you're listening to this podcast, so thank you from me. And if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you want to connect directly with me to give us feedback on the show, things we can improve, or guests that you'd love to see, please do so via Instagram on the Potential in People podcast handle. But without further ado, let's kick off today's show. So today's podcast is a really exciting one for two reasons. The first is because it's our finale episode of season one. So thanks to the listeners so far, and I hope you've got lots from it, and we'll be talking to you more about season two imminently. But more importantly than that, we've got a second reason, which is that we've got the lovely Sharon Elred on today, who's co-founder and director of Signature Recruitment. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Oh, really well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me join you, Laura. Thanks for joining us. And um, perhaps as a starting point then, Sharon, you can tell our audience a little bit about who you are, a bit of a career history and what Signature Recruitment do. Yeah, sure. So um, I think like most people in the recruitment sector, I fell into it by accident. Um, and that was uh, 18 years ago. I worked for a large corporate, so learned the tools of the trade there. Um, figured out what mattered to me in terms of um, values and company culture and then made a pinky promise with my now business partner uh, to resign from the corporate world and set up an organization that was really true to us in terms of going back to basics and treating people like people and as individuals and 11 years later uh, we're still making an impact for people right across Bristol and Greater London. Sounds fabulous. And, and my background's in re- recruitment and it sounds like you've got a fabulous business going on there, Sharon. So good for you. Um, and how has lockdown been for you and your team at Signature? So um, I know we, we talked just before the podcast about how you've, you're just returning to the office. How's that been for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the last year has been a roller coaster, that's for sure. I think a lot of people have felt the same. Uh, for a huge variety of reasons. Uh, We're obviously front facing, so we felt a huge responsibility to do our best to support our candidates and clients through often quite traumatic times. Um, I think we're all part qualified counsellors now, Um, but you know, hey, if we couldn't help people find jobs because there weren't any, we wanted to support them in any other which way we could. Yeah, and to that point then so yeah just over a year ago we had to all rapidly transition to home working right and mm. and of course to your point just now some companies weren't able to continue hiring but some were so for the companies that had to continue hiring they had to not only transition to home working for their employees but they also had to think about what does that mean for remote hiring so remote interviews remote onboarding of new team members so maybe you can talk us through some of the initial challenges you saw your clients going through at that stage and, and how how they navigated that early period and maybe some of the lessons learned. Yeah, sure. So, well, we can break that down into two parts, can't we? So the interviewing and the onboarding. And they were two quite different um, 
parts for a lot of organizations because the interviews were much more straightforward to transfer from being in the same room as people to being on a video call. Uh, but it did still come with its problems. So, you know, if you're used to conducting um, task assessments as part of your interview process in a room, um, especially when it's, you know, pen and paper, that's quite difficult to transfer onto a video call. Is the setup right? Is it in task conditions? Um, and also, of course, how do you pitch your organizational culture without your candidate stepping foot within your premises? That walk around is such an important part of the candidate's experience as to whether or not they want to belong within your organization, getting a sense of the atmosphere, what type of people work here, you know, it's all those cues that you pick up by being in that shared environment that were all of a sudden non-existent. So candidates were having to make decisions purely from a screen. Um, so nevertheless, people did overcome it. They learned to communicate very differently um, and to plan their interview process differently. Uh, but that I would say was the more straightforward of the two. Um, the, the harder bit was the onboarding. Um, and it's trickier because uh, there's a few, um, we've got fewer cultural norms uh, to working from home as a setup, as opposed to being in the office. We rely much more than we realized, perhaps pre-COVID, on um, osmosis for communication and learning. And all of a sudden, that's not available to us. So it's a real shift. So a lot of people went through what I call fast learning. So making tons of mistakes along the way, um, figuring out what needed to be rectified immediately. And those that were the most successful really took a step back and revisited why we have these processes in the first place broke those down to figure out, okay, what's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve from our interviews? What really matters to both us as an organization, but also those individuals going through the process and a similar questioning around the onboarding. I can relate to so much of what you just said. So when COVID first hit, I was just transitioning out of my recruitment role, but I was still in the thick of recruitment for a couple of months. And um, and you're so right it's amazing how agile we were able to be at the time and yeah. able to pivot how we were doing things and had to really quickly work out how to rework our interviews so to your point in engineering we used to do a lot of whiteboarding and so how can we very quickly identify the right whiteboarding tool for us online that was going to give a really good candidate experience but allow us to get what we needed from it as well so we could address the quality in the same way that we were before um, so I can completely relate to that and at the start it was for us really messy we had we just set up new spreadsheets of uh, remote onboarding and how we were going through the various things like visa checks and things that we'd normally do in person but then as covid stuck around for longer to your point we had to revisit br more broadly okay which are the things that we've learned from this that we really love and that we want to keep and which are the parts that um we, we still need to pivot on so yeah lots of really fast agile learning throughout this period um but I also love what you just said. I think it's a really interesting point around the onboarding piece being much more difficult because we don't have that more natural cultural immersion piece. And I think that's really tough. Have you seen that either in your own organization or working with clients, how, how we possibly immerse people into culture when we're not, we haven't physically met? Oh, absolutely. One of the biggest challenges for sure, both for us as recruiters making our own hires over this period, but also for our clients. So um, we actually pulled together um, as much learning as we could from 
everyone's experience within our networks to figure out what was working, what were the mistakes we can help others not repeat. And we put toolkits together to, to help others um, go through this process. Um, I mean, there's, there's definitely um, uh, some really solid ideas there that have been shared and implemented by a lot of uh, people that, that have helped and made a huge difference. Um, and again, it's going back to revisiting your why, isn't it? That's awesome. And and perhaps since you've done some of the hard work already, and I think it's fabulous that you've done that, maybe could you talk through some of the things that you've learned and that you've put together in, in those toolkits? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, on a headline level, to split the process into three parts. So firstly, as I've said a couple of times, really question why um, you have these processes in place and what you want that journey to be. Um, in, I'm going to talk specifically about onboarding because I think interviews as probably less detail needed there. So before the person starts, prepare, have a really clear plan and for goodness sake, stick to it. Yeah. So what that means is collecting everyone that's involved with that and diarising tasks. And that will go down to making sure colleagues have an informal coffee, Zoom call or Teams call booked into their calendars. So thinking about all of the important elements that a candidate will need to make sure that they understand their new role, they understand the internal tools, the communication expect expectations, et cetera, but also the cultural piece. So do they have meetings booked in with senior members, either within their own team or other teams um, within their organization? So having a checklist for both your tech and compliance is really important and having one person responsible for that. Um, there's often numerous people within the organization that have to take part to make that happen. So you've got your IT guys, um, you've often got HR, line managers will have their uh, level of responsibility too and it can get really confusing and very easy again when you're not in the same room to miss some of the simple tasks on that so having one person um, with that responsibility um, once the candidate actually starts I think it's really important to make sure that onboarding isn't about day one week one it's really that first 12 weeks that's when we see the biggest bounce rate as recruiters that unfortunately for employers is when we get the most calls saying I've just started this job I'm not sure so it's really that first 12 weeks that you want to make sure that you have that plan running for and throughout. So five points on this. So allowing people to establish personal connections. So I mentioned a moment ago about having those informal coffees booked in the diary uh, with direct team members, other key stakeholders they're going to have to work with, other departments, um, making sure that they're introduced early to internal communication tools. So allowing them to understand how we do things around here. What are the channels? Make sure they're added to groups, social or work streams. Um, the third point is to set clear goals and expectations. Again, sounds incredibly obvious, but it's very easy to miss some of these steps and the level of detail required when we're not in the same room. So that's regarding performance, milestones, but also work levels. Um, the fourth thing is to set training plans specific for the role. So again, that's going to be very different because we can't learn through osmosis when we're not in the same room. So perhaps consider having bite-sized sessions, maybe interactive courses and make it a bit more enjoyable. Maybe have some quizzes or games that involve a wider team as well to check and upskill other members who might be on that same learning curve. Um, and then the final thing is to set ongoing touch points. So make sure that you give that employee safety of feeling like they have regular check-ins, they have a regular space to be able to raise any questions or concerns that they might have about the role, how it's going, um, and also for them to be able to have your feedback so that they feel secure in, in how that progress is happening so that when they do have that temptation to call a recruiter, it's not really there anymore. 
Oh, so much good content in what you just said. I'd love love to unpick that slightly. So your first point around the die rising catch ups, it's something when I was in recruitment, especially I saw so many people fail to do. And I think as a line manager, um, you need to take responsibility for that. So yes, you probably have some great people in the HR team if you've got a HR team to help you with that. But actually, it's it's your responsibility as line manager to make sure that your new starter has a really amazing experience because you're investing time into them. They're investing time into you. You want that relationship to work well. You want them to be an informed candidate, get up to speed quickly. It's it's really a win-win. So you need to uh, really take the time to to your point to plan that. Um, and, and also there's the balance there, isn't there, of, of booking loads of catch-ups, but also one thing I see so many people do is really overload their new starter in the virtual environment so when we're in typically back in the day when we were in the office you would have hopefully lots of coffee catch-ups team catch-ups whatever but they wouldn't be back to back to back so something um, that I would love to add here is just that be mindful that when you're a new starter it can be really exhausting um, in the first few weeks so maybe you don't book every half an hour back to back to back to back with with so many catch-ups that the person doesn't have time to digest make notes and, and kind of just try and understand what's going on do you see that oh, as well abs- absolutely yeah I mean so this is where I think it's important to see it as a 12-week program and it's it's really not squashing everything in into those initial days weeks it's really making sure that people have the breathing space to get on with the job that they're hired to do <laughs> as well as this bedding in piece yeah totally and another thing you mentioned which i which i see is um it's really important to plan for that cultural immersion piece getting to know the team social catch-ups and i think where that's really important for new starters and it actually is important for everyone is that we it might be that you used to be a physical team and you know each other really well so during covid you've kind of forgotten some of that social bit at the start of a meeting asking about someone's weekend or what their child's up to at school or whatever and and you just drive straight into the agenda at the moment it's something we're all really guilty of right not spending enough time getting to know our people but that's especially important when you have a new starter because if they can't be immersed into the team and and feel part of that team to your point then um, then the risk of them wanting to to leave is much higher as well you need to think about how do you how do you really immerse them not only in the work but also that that team environment as well yeah absolutely and I think that's up to us as organizations to set that cultural expectation that we value the importance of connection as much as we do your work because we know that the two will run parallel so making meetings that five seven minutes longer to make sure that there is that room at the beginning for those conversations yeah Totally. And then again, just the final one I, I really heard um, you say when you're mentioning the five touch points was around all the tools. Again, it amazes me. It, it's so easy, isn't it? I've had, uh, I've had new starters during COVID. It's so easy to forget to add someone to your Slack channel that you use yeah. all the time. And then then they miss stuff. And that's um, that's a real shame, right? So having a plan up front for all of the tools that they need, need to get to know, how we communicate to your point, that's just hugely valuable. It allows them to self-skill up um, and get involved sooner too yeah absolutely because again if you're in the same room as somebody you pick up by watching and observing other people and you don't have that uh, that capability when you're remote working so we need to make sure we're sharing that information totally well to that point um i know lots of companies have buddy systems and i i like the idea of buddy systems but i don't i personally 
um, nervous for them being kind of huge if you're in a big company being something that everyone has to do and is self is signed by a certain person I I prefer the idea of a buddy being something that's set up by the line manager by someone that can really help that person navigate the environment because to your point just now again when we're in the office right you would when you're new you might turn to your colleague next to you and be like oh my gosh my manager showed me how to use this tool but I've completely forgotten what button I meant to press can you can you just help me so again just having someone that can that maybe isn't the line manager um, that can help someone navigate through the start of the systems and working out what's going on where, who am I meant to be giving my p45 to or whatever yeah absolutely and I think for some organizations that kind of formal buddy system works really well um, but for others actually it's not necessary because their culture is such that that communication is so open and encouraged that it's not needed because the, the individual that's new to the team or to the environment will feel safe enough to ask a range of colleagues. Um, so it's not necessary. So I think that's more of a cultural decision. Yeah, I, I love that. I think I think things like that, to your point, um, use them where they're valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I really completely agree with you on, on that. Um, and I suppose we're in a funny time now. So we're recording in April 21. So the lockdown restrictions in the UK are starting to ease slowly. And we're seeing some clients starting to plan for their return to the office. We certainly are over. So maybe we'll come to that. But what do you see as some of the challenges and the opportunities we have as we come out of lockdown and the offices can start opening up again? Yeah. I, do you know, I think... Over the last year, we've had the opportunity to revisit how we treat our people, i.e. as individuals. Um, and that's going to continue as things move forward. There's been incredibly um, different journeys that people have been on during the last 12 months. Some people have found it actually fairly straightforward and just a bit frustrating. Others have found it incredibly traumatic um, and some will be suffering from PTSD. Mm. So I think one of the challenges is going to be managing the mental health and well-being of employees. If you take away the fact that we've been through a global pandemic, I mean, we've been through the change curve about 10 times in the last 12 months, and we're about to put employees through another change curve. That's quite stressful. And having awareness of that repeatedly happening to guys, however resilient they are, is something that's really important. Um, I mean, I've seen various stats. So, for example, the Mental Health at Work charity found that nine in 10 adults say they've been touched by a mental health issue in the last 12 months. Wow. That's a number and that conversation has been opening up for the last couple of years which is fantastic it's definitely moving in the right direction but I still think that there is a bit of a taboo um, around being able to be comfortable open and honest about how people are really feeling and it's only once it starts to impact work that those conversations are happening so I think the challenge but also the opportunity is to reframe how we approach mental health and how aware we are of individuals specific well-being and how we then manage that going forwards. So the second challenge, but also opportunity is recognizing the impact that the last 12 months has had on women's careers specifically. So most, but not all have taken the lion's share of the caregiving at home, be that for relatives, for children, homeschooling. And I think as we look for um, planning succession plans and individual career plans moving forwards is to make sure we're not penalizing people for the balance act that they've really struggled with over the last 12 months. Um, and again, having those individual conversations to make sure that those people that we value are looked after within the organization and perhaps revisit the structure of the work. So is that flexibility? Is that work from home balance, et cetera? I think there's also some really great opportunities here. 
So going through the storming, forming and norming cycle can create an amazing environment for innovation and new ideas and really having that mindset of allowing for these teething problems to happen, especially in that storming space. Um, but I do think that there's some really exciting things that will come out the other side of that. I also think it's an excellent opportunity to reboard your teams. So we spoke about onboarding new starters earlier. As people return to the office, we've got a great opportunity to really make sure that we're communicating the values, the vision, why people are here, the purpose of the jobs, have things changed, have the needs of the uh, department changed, if it's an internal department, or has the customer's expectations changed, and what does that now look like? So really reboard all of that information. Um, and then I suppose wrapping all of that up, you know, all of us have had to change management styles over the last 12 months. Um, for some, it's been a huge shock, you know, moving away from command and control towards empathy is a really big shift for a lot of people. Uh, but we've had no choice, you know, it's been the biggest forced experiment we're probably ever going to go through. So again, just having that awareness that just because we're back in the office doesn't mean that we need to revert back to that management style. And we're, we're definitely stepping into a new world of expectations now. Totally. And again, so energised by lots of the things you just said. I think there's some really great practical tips for us all to think about in what you just said. So maybe if we just touch on some of those slightly. So firstly, reboard. I love that. I've not heard of that before. I don't know if you coined that, Sharon, or, or, or uh, um, heard that from someone else. But what a fabulous idea and something that I think so many of us will be forgetting. I, I certainly for me when you just said it I was I was thinking wow what a great point that's not something I'd thought of actually and it's such a nice opportunity to your point to re-engage and think think about how and why do we do things and, and is everyone really clear on the vision of the company and how they're contributing to that and and, and how do we engage how do we socialize how do we drive innovation together and think in a more agile way I think oh, what a fabulous word reboard <laughs> I'll, I'll coin it. I mean, unless anyone else has, uh, has claimed that already, I'll certainly claim it. <laughs> yeah, take it. I, I love that. And, and to your point then around innovation, I think that's a fabulous one and something certainly we've been thinking about here at Ovo where I work is, is how do we take that agile spirit of COVID and, and how we had to come together as cross-functional teams, come up with ideas, test and learn and pivot really quickly. And how do we take some of those learnings into broader company strategy and ways of working? So um, analyzing, so OVO is quite a large organization, but I think this applies at so many levels is, is where are the areas in which we're being slowed down? So are we being slowed down by waiting once a quarter for a, some sort of steering committee of which makes a decision? Um, does that slow us down? Does that is that valuable? Is it hindering us to drive innovation and pivot more quickly? Are we um, do we have the right cross functional setups in our organizations to get things done and to collaborate really fast on different elements of, of programs of work? Um, and yeah, just broadly that agile mindset, which I think all companies in order to be successful need to adapt towards and um, I think the COVID period one of the best things for me that's come out of it is is driving that innovation and, and test and learn themes. Yeah I, I absolutely agree I think being forced uh, into these new experiences we would never have done this before it's such an incredible opportunity I mentioned earlier fast learning we talk internally about um 
learning being in the ugly zone. So often when you're learning something for the first time or you're trying something for the first time, it's really uncomfortable because you don't know what you're doing and you're likely to make mistakes. And, you know, we're human. We don't want to get things wrong, but actually getting into the ugly zone and really embracing that and going through that learning, my goodness, some of the outcomes can be fantastic. Totally, totally agree. And I think the other thing that I really liked that you said was around so you had management style you talked about mental health and we already we talked about flexibility and supporting women in the workplace and I think for me all of those things come down to we as leaders having really meaningful conversations with the individuals in our team so making the time with every individual whether we continue to work virtually or whether we return to the office about how is your mental health? How, how can we support you through that? We've all had a really tough, stressful time and lots of people that have never suffered with their mental health before have suffered. To your point earlier, those yeah. stats were pretty compelling, weren't they? Um, and, and then flexibility for everyone. So what does flexibility look like? What, what's the ideal situation for you? How can we support you as your whole self to do your best work? Um, and then finally, yeah, with management staff, I think that comes back to conversation and, and really working with your teams to identify what are the really valuable things that we we love and that we want to keep what are the things that perhaps weren't weren't so great um, pre-covid that we we maybe don't want to bring back um, because I think it'd be to your point so easy to go back to working in the office typical nine to five five days a week and, and maybe not talking to everyone about what that flexibility has gifted them with and what everyone needs I suppose Mm, absolutely. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, really interestingly, UCOV did a poll in March and some really surprising results. It showed that 44% of people wanted their work life to largely return to the way it was before, 31% exactly as it was before. So I, I still think that there is a fear of change here. Um, and I, again, you mentioned it earlier, having that conversations um, on an individual level to really make sure you're understanding what each person's looking for. But I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if not everyone wants to step forward into change that a lot of people are looking to get back to that safety space. Yeah, wow, what, a fan, what an absolutely fascinating yeah. start. And I guess that then to that point is about speaking to every individual, because for some to, to, the, to the stats you just read they'll be wanting to return to, to normality and, and for others the working from home would have given them a completely different work-life balance and dynamic in their family and and personal life that they might be really craving to extend beyond COVID. Absolutely yeah and um, what are the things so we talked about it already slightly, but are there other, any other things that you would recommend leaders to think about when considering the return to the office plan? I mean, firstly, have a plan. <laughs> I think that's really important and very easy to assume that you'll give everyone a date and, you know, everyone will go back in and you make sure it's COVID safe. It's much, much more detailed than that. Share it, over communicate and be prepared mm -hmm. to adjust it. Um, I think that's that's the first thing for, for certain. Um, really be clear also about which tasks work well within a shared environment within the office space. So as an organization, what matters to be the best that you're trying to be or achieve? And then how does that work on an individual basis? Because yes, of course, we want to look after our employees as best we can. We want to retain talent. We want to help people grow and develop. But ultimately we're all here for a shared purpose. 
And we've got to have a focus on that alongside looking after the individuals. And that's going to be the difficult balancing act, especially when considering returning to the office, because you may well have individuals that love working from home. But actually, if you've got certain tasks that the collaboration and being in the same room sparks much more innovation and creativity than doing it through a video call, then actually that's that's a conversation that needs to happen. Um, also, the other piece that I've really observed over the last six months, especially, is the speed at which expectations are changing. So I mentioned before communication is king. If you're in a large organization such as OVO and you're relying on company surveys, for example, just be really mindful as to when those surveys are being completed. Some of the results that I see coming back, you can link to what was happening in the news at that particular time um, and when things were particularly heightened emotionally for people. And that will really give them a lens through which they're giving this information back. So just being a little bit careful um, with how you're connecting company surveys, if that is your, um, your line of communication back. Um, but, you know, it's the leader's responsibility to, to understand that. I think that's a fabulous point, Sharon. I, and I'm really passionate about when we look at data, I think it's really important to be data informed, but it's also um, qualitative data is one thing. So perhaps you use an engagement survey. So we use PECON, for example, and that gives you some fabulous quantitative data. Um, but understanding why the data might be moving up or down um, and, and you can only really get that from the qualitative feedback from people. So I think it's really important that if the data is moving, that you get out there and talk to people about why that might be. Absolutely, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier about having those individual conversations, those one on one line manager to team, and then making sure that that information is really thought through and considered. Yeah. And if you work for a big organization, so OVO, it's it's a really tough time. So we've just set up a, a cross functional working team to think about our return to the office plan. But it's really difficult, isn't it? Because there's the element of the individual manager to team member conversations and what that should look like and that I think for me is such an important element but then there's also the the broader planning isn't there or of organizations to think about what what does it look like how many offices are we going to keep how how do people when they return to the office how how and where do they sit is it is it the same team environment is it more of a uh, hot desking situation how do we um how do we plan as an organization how many people are going to be in the office to monitor um, safety levels and, and how do we make sure the office is safe with um sanitization and potentially heat checks and all, all of that kind of stuff it's it's quite a minefield for organizations to navigate at the moment so i would i guess my recommendation there is is if um if you work in an influential team in, in particular big organization that you're having these conversations and have a team set up to, to think through this stuff. Absolutely. I but you know, I suppose it's not hugely dissimilar to having a minimal, a minimal viable product before you take it to market. Kind of need to treat this in the same vein that you're going to have a plan, it's going to be detailed, and you're going to take it to your um, to your colleagues, to your wider business. But we need to be aware that we're going to be relying on consistent feedback to tweak and change and adjust and improve. Yes, so true. And you've just sparked my yeah. brain there. I think I think it, it might 
it's all very well us doing a survey to understand how many people are likely to be coming into the office but that doesn't mean those numbers are going to correlate to the people that actually turn up to the office so right. it might be that we plan for the numbers we're gifted with but actually then we have the data to test and learn every week because if the numbers are much coming to the office are much higher than we thought they were going to be we need to pivot and do something with it but if it's much lower then we might have again more options to pivot with and and um yeah i think testing and learning week by week it's almost the reverse of when we went into COVID isn't it it's, it's monitoring and, and being able to pivot really quickly when we reboard people to coin your yeah, word absolutely and I know that you've just gone back to the office um, so what does the office versus home balance look like for you personally now and how's it going so far oh my word it's absolutely wonderful I couldn't recommend it any higher it's it's just been a delight I mean we are a team of extroverts. We thrive off being in a collaborative environment. It's incredibly fast paced, the work that we do. So for us, our balance at the moment, and again, we're trialing, we're gonna be taking on feedback. So for the next four or five weeks, we're in four days and working from home one day a week. Uh, the change in energy, in um, engagement, in mood, in work productivity has just been incredibly different to everybody working from home it's been a huge lift we've made a few changes to pre-covid so for example we now have a dog-friendly office um that's certainly made a difference it's wonderful having oh, these colleagues around <laughs> um they just seem to know when you've just finished a call that you need someone to just have a little chat to that's not going to talk back um and of course it's covid safe so we've taken on uh, much more space. Um, the meeting rooms are very different. Of course, we're not meeting externals face to face. So that that's been a change for us as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a learning process. But for us at the moment, being in four days is just absolutely wonderful. Can I come to the office and play with the dogs? Absolutely, Laura. You will have to join the waiting list, I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. Over a huge organisation, so I can't see us um, bringing dogs into the office, but um, but what a fabulous thing to do at a smaller organisation like yours. And it sounds, what I really love about what you said is that, um, firstly, that's working really well for you, and I hope that that continues and everyone's feeling really energised and glad to see each other and spend time again collaborating. But I also love that you said you're going to test and learn and see how it works, um, because to the thing that we've just been talked about measuring data and understanding is this working for people um or, or do we need to pivot so i think um you're doing some fabulous work there thank you yeah it's great awesome well i've loved chatting to you today sharon so thank you so much for your time um and hopefully our listeners will take lots from this because i think there was so much practical tips and advice here but if our listeners were only going to remember one thing from today's podcast what would you love that to be Oh my goodness. Can I have three? I don't think I can get it. To Go on then. <laughs> uh, have a plan, treat people as individuals and always over communicate. And remember that Sharon coined the term reboard. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. If we could keep that in there, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, th thank you. Yeah. Loads of great tips from today. Um, and if after today people are keen to connect with you personally, Sharon, or, or speak to signature recruitment, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. So send me a send me a message, link in with me. Um, 
signature recruitment, we have various social media channels. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and obviously we have our website and LinkedIn profiles as well. So through any of those means, um, the more important one out of all of those is to simply pick up the phone. We love talking to people. Um, so by all means, I'm available on the office number, as is the rest of the team, uh, for whatever type of conversation you may want to have with us, be it uh, job search or looking for staff or to talk further about some of the points we've covered today. Perfect. And I'll link those all in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time, Sharon. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs>